Also for today, David Kelly is a rabbit science news follower with a passion for physics. He writes fast-paced, near-future sci-fi thrillers with engaging characters, cynical humor, and he says, usually plausible science. Don't go away, we'll be right back. Join us then. Welcome to the Writer's Corner live show. I'm your host, Bridgette Limbanda from Cape Town in South Africa. And our stream is made possible by BeLive Media, Creative Edge, and StreamYard. So warm welcome whether you're watching us over on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and also over on Amazon Live. A very warm welcome to you. This is an audience-centric show, so please feel free to say hello in the comments. And if you've never watched us before, let me know, then we will give you a shout out. In today's show, we're going to be talking to David M. Kelly. Um, and he is a sci-fi author. But before we invite David onto the show, and before I bring on my amazing co-host, Mary Elizabeth Jackson, of almost four years, wow, where does the time go to? One of the things we're all about um, on the Writer's Corner live show is we are, as you know, after four years of doing this, we're incredibly passionate about helping authors level up. And one of the things that authors are still having to do these days and in the foreseeable future is hybrid is the way forward. And so one of the things that you can do to level up on your online appearance is to invest in a webcam if you want to look better. And the one that I use is the Logitech Brio. Any, I recommend, I highly recommend any of the Logitech cameras that is if you can't afford a higher-end dslr cameras but most of the authors i think um will not be using that in fact most of the authors i know of um do go ahead and they use their phone camera nothing wrong with that the phone cameras have come a long way they are amazing but here's just a quick tip for you um i don't know if you've ever gone online and you see those black lines on the side of your screen well one way to deal with that is to turn your phone into landscape. Um, and if you are using your phone, I want to highly recommend that you put your phone onto a tripod because if your phone is shaking while you're live, um, it makes people feel seasick and you don't want to do that. It also helps you hold your, your it frees up your hands if your phone is in a tripod so you can talk, you can be a bit more expressive, you can hold your book in your hand. Um, and it's just a whole better experience for your viewers. So do get a gimbal of some sorts, get an iographer, get a, you know something like the DJI Osmo. There's a whole lot of tools and things that you want to use. One thing you do want to make sure of though is that people can hear you loud and clearly. And so one of the things you can do um, is invest in a lapel microphone like this one, which is the Rode Lavalier microphone, because people will tune out or they'll forgive you if, the, if your camera is less than perfect, but if they can't hear you, you will completely lose your audience. So do invest in some kind of a camera. I use the Samsung um, 
condenser microphone, but you don't need anything as fancy as that. A lapel microphone will be fantastic. So now let me invite my amazing co-host, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She is a special needs and disabilities advocate and also an award-winning um, author in her own right. Uh, she Her latest release is by with Thornton Klein. It's called Cheers from Heaven, so do go and check that out. Um, Mary's also a ghostwriter. So let me just bring on Mary to join me. Yes, before we bring on David. Mary, how are you doing today? I'm doing great today. It's a little hot where we are. It's a little cold where you are. So that makes us global, which is awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting by the fire while, you know, you've got some natural heating going on there. Yeah, so, yeah it's supposed to be 110 today and tomorrow and the next several days, uh, really high up like that. So we're just like, oh, we're praying for rain. But uh, I'm doing great. We're so excited about our author today and getting to know him and share his journey and story with others and bring him some new fans. Absolutely. So for those of you who have not met David or read any of his books, books yet, David is the author of the Joe Balin, Logan's World, and the Hyperia Jones series. So each one of them is a series in their own right. Yeah. Um, and as I said before, he is a great, great, great ginormous um, science news follower with a passion for physics. And he writes fast-paced, near-future sci-fi thrillers with engaging characters, cynical humor, and usually plausible science is what he said. So let's welcome our amazing author to join us on screen, shall we? Absolutely. Hi, David. David, welcome to the show. So glad to have you join us today. This is amazing. And we're going to dive right, right. What's the weather like on your end of the world? I've got to just ask. Um, it's actually really wet and raining really badly today. Although oh, it's raining? Wow. It, it, it okay, so since you're a science warm. guy, since you're a science guy, can you just push it down into the States? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're above me in Canada, right? Yeah, I am, yeah. Yeah, we need you to push some of that down here. We need it. Yeah, it's been very, very variable. We've had, like, really seriously warm weather. Last week it was kind of like 36 degrees, and today it's kind of 14 and, and just kind of bucketing down. So. Oh, my goodness. The weather's like a box of chocolates, right? You never know what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh my goodness. David, I'm going to jump right in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into becoming a full-time writer. And I know that's every author's dream is to become a full-time writer. It's something every author works towards. How did that happen for you? Tell us a little bit about you. Um, it was a, a, a very strange and sort of twisting story, actually. Uh, I started writing when I was uh, doing a very long commute to work by train back in England. Um, and I wanted something to do. So, and I'd always wanted to try my hand at writing. So I started writing then. Um, and uh, I worked 
what became my first novel, although it was never published and never will be because it was terrible. But it was good enough to get me hooked. <laughs> And so then, you know, I, I always say we've got so, all we all started chapter one, right? We've all got to start somewhere. Mm. Yeah. So I carried on writing, uh, sort of learning the tricks of the trade for, for several years. Um, uh, I wrote my uh, what was my became my first published novel, Mathematics of Eternity. That actually took me around about 15 years because I was writing it while I was working in very stressful jobs and. Uh, so on um and then the actual kind of final thing that uh set me on the full-time author path was that uh, i had uh, a very serious medical issue um where uh, my uh, foot got badly infected and i had a partial um, foot amputation um and after that i was literally laid on my back for kind of over a year and um so that during that time i finished this novel that i'd been working on for so long and wrote the sequel and after that when i started to recover and and get you know healthier um i realized i didn't want to go back to work <laughs> And I wanted to carry on uh, writing full time, so I did. Well, that is a journey in itself. Um, you know, mm. as authors, you, you've kind of answered a little bit of what, what I was going to ask you about. But as authors, all of us have hurdles. I, and I don't, you know, it doesn't really matter who you are as an author. You know, even the famous ones have had humongous hurdles to overcome. So what would you say is one of your greatest hurdles and how did you overcome that besides the, the physical um, issue that you went through and we're, you know, sorry to hear about that. Um, but, you know, as a writer, what did you have to overcome in, I guess, along, I guess it went along with that. Would you connect, you know, would that have all been a part of what was going on at that time in your life? Uh, I think the, the biggest hurdle for me actually was just probably learning how to write. Um, I mean, I, I was a, a very, very big reader as a child. I, I read through my way through entire libraries. Um, but when I started to write, I kind of had this idea that, you know, you just sat down, you typed out the words and that, that was it. You know, you had a story. Um, I didn't really know anything about uh, things like editing and, and proofing and so on. And so literally it was kind of like the biggest hurdle was actually just, you know, understanding how the process worked and, and finding out my own kind of path through that uh, process that was something that worked for me. Um, so I actually, before the, the first novel that I had published, um, I actually worked two and a half complete novels. Again, none of those will ever see the light of day. Um, and then I, I started reading more about, you know, kind of like how to improve your craft and, and so on. Um, and then I started writing short stories because they were kind of like quicker and easier to, to learn from. Uh, so I wrote a whole bunch of short stories and started trying to submit those to magazines. Um, I did actually finally get published uh, 
by a Canadian magazine actually um, called Neoopsis. Um, and uh, that was kind of like how I did it. I, I, it was a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of investment just trying to understand the process. So that's so that's very interesting that you said that, David. But I mean, you're not a novice at, at being an author now. You've got a few series under your belt. You've got a couple of books under your belt. So I'm I'm curious. A lot of you know a lot of first time authors may be under the mistaken um, thinking that you know you write your book and the money's just going to start rolling in. But you know most authors know that that's not how it works exactly. We, I think many authors wish it was where it worked, but life doesn't work that way. As in your journey as an author over you know the last couple of years, was there anything that you failed at, and what did you learn from it um, that made you grow as an author? Um, I I never actually had the the. Uh, Although I, I didn't really understand the writing process, I never you know, like really thought that the the path was going to be easy or quick. So that aspect of it was not really too much of a surprise to me. Um, I expected it to be a long journey, and it has. It's been a slow climb, and and uh, and I. So think you were that, quite realistic about your expectations. Yes. Um, I, I say I didn't really expect to publish sort of one thing and and uh, mm -hmm. just suddenly it would take off. Um, but at the same time, I, I do I have to say I mean you know when you're kind of working on your own, stuck in your your office or whatever, and you know you you're releasing books and and you, the sales don't come. I mean sometimes that can weigh very heavily on you and. Uh, you know, we all, we all, I think, as authors, we all go through this, these points where we think, you know, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, shouldn't I be maybe doing something else? You know, and uh, and I think, you know, the biggest one of the biggest challenges for for everybody who tries to write books is just actually kind of keeping going and, and kind of, you know, keeping the the dedication to to invest the time and the effort and the work to actually kind of get to the point where they do start to see returns on on those investments and that can be very very hard sometimes yeah patience is <clears throat> patience and tenacity i think are two of the main ingredients needed for this profession of this is what you choose to do because um most <clears throat> authors that I know are, that are successful, I think it's, you know, you can look at anywhere from a five to 10 year investment of your time. It seems pretty realistic. Um, yes, a lot of them on five years, but then there are some that are 10 years before anything really happened for them. Um, we, okay, so we know your background includes science. So I guess it would, was it an automatic thing for you to go into writing sci-fi, becoming that kind of storyteller, or did you actually contemplate other genres? You know, what drew you into being um, this kind of a storyteller? I've um, always had a, an interest in, in science um, and especially space, anything related to space since I was a, a, a very young child. When I was 
and I'm aging myself now, but when I was six, my parents allowed me to stay up and watch the uh, the first moon landing. And mm. that just kind of like captured my imagination. And so when I was, you know, when I started reading lots and lots of things, I was naturally drawn to science fiction stories because of that. Um, and so when I actually started writing it, it became, it was just kind of like a natural choice for me to kind of like try and, and move into that particular genre. Um, although I have got uh, book ideas sketched out for things that aren't science fiction, but so far I'm enjoying the science fiction so much that I haven't had time to develop. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really fun world because there's no boundaries, right? So. There's no boundaries, there's no rules, and you can just write whatever you want. It's just crazy as you want, right? Because do you find the crazier of what you write, the more your fans love it? I tend to sort of disagree somewhat with the idea that you can write anything because this is where the, the kind of mostly plausible science bit comes in. It's like I take great care on most of my books to kind of make sure that the the science and the technology and and the physics and so on is is actually correct, um, so I can't just do anything. Um, although the, you can have any kind of ideas you want, but you know there are kind of like limits and and so on. Um, but it's it's a wonderful genre for kind of like exploring. Um, people in, in in kind of strange environments, in strange circumstances. And I think that's one of the things that like really kind of, you know, is the attraction for me and a lot of science fiction fans is that, you know, you can see people kind of uh, living and reacting and finding their way through problems in environments that are completely different to the ones that we know. And that often kind of like then acts as a reflection of our own lives now and so i think it's a, a, a wonderful medium and uh, it's uh, it's something i just absolutely love doing that's awesome david do you have a favorite sci-fi author that you um have admired over the years perhaps and 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 i also want to know where do you draw your inspiration from for your own stories and specifically mathematics of eternity i want to know where the inspiration came from um well my favorite authors um kind of somewhat more classically tend to be people like robert heinlein isaac asimov uh arthur c clark um more recently i like the James Corey Expanse books um, and Martha Wells Murderbot books. Um, the inspiration for Mathematics of Eternity, um, strangely enough, came from uh, the old sort of um, noir fiction that uh, we had in sort of the sort of like the 1930s and 40s. Um, and I wanted, I, I really like those kind of books and, and those kind of movies. And I wanted to bring that kind of feeling, but into a science fictional world. And uh, 
So the uh, the hero of Mathematics of Eternity is kind of like a, a very fast-talking, loud-mouthed space engineer uh, who basically is a bit of a smart-ass, and he, he, it gets him into a lot of trouble. <laughs> so uh, that's really where it came from. And uh, and the whole kind of like story in, like in the first book is very much a kind of... Uh, a noir thriller, but set in the future in uh, futuristic Baltimore. Nice, very nice. I like the sarcastic, smart aleck part. That's gonna make that makes for a good character, doesn't it, David? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> they always <laughs> they're kind of fun people to deal with sometimes um, in your own life. And I think there's a bit of sarcasm in most of us, anyways. You know. Um, so do you have your book with you? We'd love to have you um, read a, a favorite uh, couple of pages that you have. Uh, or do you have a favorite spot or do you have several favorites? Um, I don't really do live reads kind of typically. So I'm a bit stuck on that. But I mean, I can read like the first couple of pages if, if you like. Do you feel comfortable to do that? We, I mean, we'd love for you to if you feel com comfortable enough. I'll give it a, I'll give it a try. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to, here, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a sip of coffee. Mm -hmm. And we're ready to go. Right, Brigetti? Brigetti's got something too go. to drink. What do you got? All right. Let's go. I'm, I'm in coffee as well. Okay. Coffee addict. Okay. So this is uh, chapter one. Negotiations between the assembled Earth nations and Atoll representatives broke down today with no relaxation of the restrictions on Earth-based extraorbital operations. General Chadwick from the Combined Atoll Security Forces stated there would be a vigorous response to any attempt by Earth to increase operations outside low Earth orbit other than the Mars mining operation. He also said that his boycott included the Starship I stabbed the off button hard enough to make the plastic click sound like a gun had gone off inside the car. The news shouldn't have bothered me, but it did. The fact that I used to work in space was part of it. The fact that I couldn't any longer was another. But mostly it was because the atolls were right. We didn't deserve another chance. I pulled up outside the case waiting for the traffic lights to change. The rain on the windshield distorted the garish neon and hollow projections from the bar into painful tracks that turned ghostly afterimages on my retina. I rubbed my face to ease the ache in my eyes, a two-day growth of beard rasping against my palms. Time to polish up a bit, Balan. Otherwise, someone's going to think you stole this cab. It had been that kind of night. The only thing keeping me going was the thought that my tour was over for another 12 hours. The cab booked and I grabbed the shuddering controls, wrestling the car into a level attitude. The door has to open as someone slid in the back. The turbines whined as the stability systems fought to compensate for the shift in weight distribution. And for a second, I thought we were going to plummet to the ground. I cursed loudly, my fingers only slowly releasing the death grip I had on the controls as the motion steadied, not caring if my new passenger heard. The old adage was true. There really is always one. You better watch yourself, chief. 
my car had almost been almost a meter away from the jump off platform a potential disaster when you're 60 meters up at l4 that's not a choice likely to take you to retirement all i could see in the mirror was a dark shadow filling the entire back seat i'm off duty you have to call someone else 273 Fairland word l1 wasmore the voice had a liquid rasp that didn't sound like it came from drink alone, more like the death rattle from a set of lungs drowning in a sea of flesh. Maybe he hadn't heard. I sure didn't want a 40-kilometer detour on my, on my own clock. The light's out, Chief. I'm off duty. Give me a break and get out. I nudged against the jump off and reopened the door. He didn't move and I turned around to get my first proper look at him. Purple and red bar lights reflected on his waxy skin, and he must have weighed well over 180 kilos. A sweat-drenched green jacket molded itself to both his torso and the seat, making his face look sickly. I couldn't remember ever seeing anyone so overweight outside historicals. Everything about him was bloated. From the head that flowed directly into his shoulders without the benefit of an intervening neck, to the corpulent fingers gripping the whole parahide seat as if he were scared he'd fall off the world. It was no wonder the car had struggled. He was a one-man weight restriction violation. Sometimes when the circuits fail, all you can do is accept it and recover. There wasn't a chance I'd be able to get him out single-handed. It would be easier to take him where he wanted to go and hope he was sober enough to get out under his own steam. I shrugged and hit the meter. The lights had long since gone green, so I eased the throttle forward to minimize my motion sickness. The last thing I needed was the alcoholic excess in his gut emptying in the back of my cab. Then, as if I needed anything else to make my night miserable, an asshole in a saber cut me up from below. His streamlined taillight almost clipping the front of the cab as I wanted to keep things so as I wrestled to keep things together in the turbulent wash from the arrest me red sports car, I shook my head. Life's too short, I muttered. Wow. I, Diva, that's awesome. I mean, I could picture that whole thing like in, in movie. You know what I mean? Like I could see the scenes in my head. That's amazing. Well, we are very honored. Thank you for uh, reading for us today. Thank you very much. Absolutely. David, thank you so much for stopping by the Writer's Corner Live show. It was great to have you on the show. Just to hear a little bit about your background, who you are, and uh, the chair in the cake, of course, was you reading a section out of your um, book, Mathematics of Eternity. So anyone who's watching the show over on Amazon Live, or if you're not watching on Amazon Live, scoot over to Amazon and grab a copy um, of the book. So if you're on Amazon, that book is in the carousel, and uh, feel free to go and grab a copy of David's book. Well, I want to say thank you to our amazing audience, everyone who's joined us live. And if you're going to be catching the show on the replay, enjoy that. And uh, David, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for telling us a little bit about you. And um, we'd love to have you back again sometime in the future. Thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful experience. <laughs> thank you, David. Big pleasure. Take care, everyone. We'll see you back next week, same time, same place, on another episode of the Writer's Corner live show. Thank you.